You're listening to X-Ray FM at KXRY Portland at 91.1 and 107.1 FM, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. This is Amplify Women and I'm your host, Miranda Selinger. In celebration of International Women's Day, we are hosting 12 hours of women-focused programming. We're amplifying women's voices and providing intersectional education on a diverse range of issues that are impacting women in Portland and beyond. Between now and 7 p.m., you'll be hearing some of Portland's most impactful leaders, educators, activists, artists, and more tell their stories to educate, empower, and inspire change. As part of today's programming, we have an upcoming conversation about the sex work industry during the pandemic. I'll be talking with Felicia Stevanis of Stroll PDX. If you'd like to join in on the conversation with any questions or comments, we encourage you to do so by texting 971-220-5979, or you can send an email to dj at xray.fm. All right, happy to be here with Felicia today. Um, if you don't mind, Felicia, would you, would you tell our listeners a bit more about who you are and your role at Stroll PDX? Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Felicia. Um, I've been doing uh, sex work for about four years now. Um, I've been working with Stroll for about a year now, and um, I help run their social media and organize distri- distribution. Um, yeah, what we do is um, like some harm reduction, uh, mostly focusing on the houseless community and sex workers. Um, and it's just something I love to be a part of because that's uh, my passion. So. Awesome. I love that. Um, could you tell us a bit more about what Stroll PDX is? I think mm-hmm. people, people know a little bit about, you know, the basic um, mission or purpose of the organization, but um, if you could tell us a bit more about the, the background, how it came to be and, and what kind of work it does. Um, so because I've only been there for about a year, the background isn't something that I was as involved in um, or too much about. I know that Matilda um, did start it wanting to, um, you know, help sex workers um, just thrive, you know, and to um, focus on not just helping us, but helping us help other people. And um, so, yeah, right this second, we focus a lot on distribution, but also on um, programs like this, like letting people know about um, the struggle that sex workers have and like how we have also been displaced by this pandemic and um, by like, you know, the struggles of houselessness. And um, yeah, we, uh, sorry, I don't know too much about the background. I just know a lot of what we do right this second. Um, so yeah, we try and do a distribution to about like five different camps in Portland uh, every weekend. And then we also um, work with a lot of different uh, mutual aid and nonprofit groups in Portland to also like um, just you know, help with that community feeling of, um, yeah, just uh, spreading around supplies and making sure that we um, are all kind of connected in what we want for Portland. Great. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. You mentioned distribution of supplies. Um, what does that usually look like? Um, it usually looks like at least about like three or four of us kind of going to different encampments. Um, the encampments we go to have been, we've been going to for a while. So we're usually pretty welcome with open arms um, and we try and bring at least um, one hot food item and what other kind of supplies uh, they need. And when it comes to harm reduction, that can mean um, needles, clean needles, um, drop boxes for the needles, um, tourniquets and just, uh, uh, yeah, stuff like that. Um, also like just little supplies like aspirin, these little things that people like 
you know, need and we think of as just like being in our, um, you know, medicine cabinet, but for them, it's, you know, could, it's just not that accessible. And so we try and um, have little things like that, plus some hot meals, um, some of the bigger ticket items like blankets and tents and sleeping bags. We also try and make sure that we have some of those, but they are very hard to come by. Um, Mm-hmm. And yeah, it usually takes us a few hours. Um, we also like to like, when it comes to distribution, we'll set up like um, just a little area where we're cooking food and serving it um, and stay like stationary as well. So yeah, try and make sure that people are fed and also have like the basic necessities that um, they need. And also just some comforts as well. Luxuries are like cigarettes. And like I said, needles, like it's a part of harm reduction as well to be like comfortable. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you're, I know you said you've only been um, with Stroll for about a year, um, if I'm re- remembering correctly. So perhaps <laughs> the context here is um, not something you can speak to, but I'm wondering if um, efforts like distribution are, have been um, amplified by the pandemic at all. Like, was that something that Stroll was doing before the pandemic at all? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, yeah, that we've always, we've been doing distro. Um, I want to say for a while, more, definitely more than a year. Um, And it was definitely hard with the pandemic because, you know, we work with such a like uh, marginalized group, uh, sex workers and houses people that um, it's been hard for us to get out there um, for our own safety and for theirs. But um, it's definitely been uh, amplified by the pandemic tenfold. it's, it's been absolutely ridiculous. And so it's really awesome that we're able, most of us are still able to be here doing this. Um, but yeah, we've been doing distro for um, way before the pandemic. Got it. Um, so yeah, speaking of the pandemic, I know that this is something that has deeply impacted many different industries. Sex work is no exception, I imagine. Like what me- immediately comes to mind for me um, as an outsider is that, for example, strip clubs must be facing decreased patronage due to pandemic restrictions. Like that's um, the example I come to mind because of thinking about like the food industry, similar restrictions there. Um, but yeah, what are the ways that that you see local sex workers have been impacted by the pandemic? And maybe are there examples of how individuals and businesses have adapted to the times that you're aware of? Yeah, um, I wanna say the different levels. So I can mostly speak to uh, stripping, but um, sex work definitely has been affected. And I know that I've lost some customers um, because they don't wanna come in. And I completely respect that decision because a a lot of our customers are older people um, who come in to have that like human connection, but they can't necessarily risk that, you know? I am very fortunate to have uh, the owner of my club has made it a point to um, stay open when he can and make it as safe as possible for us. Um, But, you know, it it was nice when we had the outdoor clubs um, because it kind of like that's how we've adapted was just kind of moving it outdoors. It was a little bit frustrating because obviously um, the hierarchy there, uh, most club owners do not care about the girls comfort or their safety and um so it was definitely a struggle for some people um I know that it's been really hard for I I was very fortunate to have a regular job um and so I was receiving unemployment but a lot of my friends have also have you know been super displaced they um have been living off of like fundraisers and grants and just like emergency rent um you know assistance and um and it's very hard because these women are also 
marginalized. They already, um, you know, struggle sometimes. And then to have your job taken away from you and you have to choose between your health and safety or your money. Um, and so that's been very difficult for a lot of us, um, especially because even if there are so many clubs in Portland, again, the hierarchy with the strip club owners, a lot of them, they pick and choose. And so it, it can be especially hard when you're a marginalized person within these margins, um, like women of color, especially, um, have just been so displaced. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate that we have to live through these grants and um, fundraisers, but it's so amazing to see the uh, mutual aid happening there. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's okay if you don't have an answer to this question, but I'm wondering, is there anything that you would like to see businesses or individual workers adopting during the pandemic times? Obviously, there's some things that are out of our control, um, like the virus to some degree. Um, but um, are there any, yeah, I know like I've seen businesses start to do like drive-throughs um, as opposed to other types of work. Like, is that something that you'd like to see more of? Is there, do you have other yeah, ideas? Right. You know, it's, it's a very fine line there because as much, I really do appreciate people trying to accommodate and make sure that their employees are making money and that they're, they, you know, people can work, but at the same time, um, it's frustrating that they have to, that we just don't have that assistance to say, stay home, be safe, and let's get through this. It, but I, I do have to say that I, I appreciate the accommodations. So yes, with the like drive-through drag shows and drive-through strip clubs um, and the outdoor strip clubs, it's sucks that it's uh, necessary, but yeah, I do, I do have to say I appreciate it. I'm wondering, have you seen workers move towards embracing more online work during the pandemic? And if so, what does that look like? Um, most of the women that I know, um, if they were doing uh, online before uh, COVID, it, it didn't really change too much, um, except for that their uh, industry got so incredibly saturated. And I didn't see too many women get started. Um, if they were already a sex worker, they were probably already doing online work if they wanted to. Um, the big influx has been from people who have never done sex work before. And so I've seen women embracing it out of necessity. But if yeah, for the most part, sex workers have always been doing it if they wanted to. So um, I think, um, yeah, the people who really embraced it like that are the people who were not sex workers and just came in and like, saturated our industry. But um, no, I haven't seen too many women go into that just because of uh, COVID. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear because I feel like I've been seeing stuff about like more online sex work and I've been wondering if that's folks who were doing it before or folks who were doing similar work transitioning to online or if it's just mm -hmm. some like, yeah, what you said basically, which is saturation of new people yeah. um, reaching those platforms. Do you yeah. think that's um, an effect of the pandemic or is it just something that's kind of popular right now? 100% because of the pandemic. Um, I mean, sex work obviously goes through fads. Like we become a fad so quickly and then, you know, they forget about us instantly. But, um, you know, people, we will, we will always be the butt of the joke. We will always be, you know, the lower tier until it comes to their survival, you know, and that's the only time that people are like, oh, this is why people do sex work. Not all the time, but they finally realize that survival sex work is okay. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm like on the streets and have to do it, which is also okay. But like, you know, it's just out of your own survival sometimes. That's why I started was I was tired of working three jobs. And um, so 
they probably, most of these women probably thought of me as dirty and grimy and no self-respect. And then when it came to their survival, they were like, oh, okay, I guess I'll try. Um, so that's pretty much what it's been, um, is an onslaught of women who probably wouldn't have never respected a sex worker in their life moving into our industry and kind of telling us how to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, that <laughs> that sounds like a, a really frustrating dynamic to encounter. Yeah, I'm wondering if you, I know it's, there's, there's definitely nuance in different folks' situations, um, different people's positionalities and relationships to sex work, but in, I guess in general, how do you feel about folks who um, maybe like have more privilege, have more wealth and are just like, hey, sex work seems fun or I want to express myself in this way. I'm going to start doing it and, and making money off of it. Um, well, it, it's incredibly frustrating to see um, people with generational wealth and who, who brag about not needing to be there, be there, you know, and I understand mm-hmm. we all need to make money. And like, of course, you are so more than welcome to work if you want to be here. But um, I think a lot of the people who don't need to be there and are don't support the women who do have to be there, the survival sex workers, the street level sex workers, the ones closer to cops. Um, and I think that's really where I think most people have an issue with it. That's where I have an issue with it. Um, because again, there is room for everybody in my community. Um, but only if you, you know, punch up, not down. Yeah, I really appreciate that insight. Um, I was going to ask, and maybe this is maybe not even that relevant given given what we just discussed, but I was going to ask about, um, I know another recent development is that some social media platforms have tightened up their terms of use. Um, I've seen many people call them out as like blatantly anti-sex work. Um, it goes beyond just increased um, limitations around nudity. Like there's there's plenty of other stuff as well. I'm wondering if if you've seen those those restrictions impacting sex workers recently. It does um, impact them a lot because especially, uh, you know, women of color who don't feel safe, especially going into the strip club, they, you know, have, we all have our own health issues and like some people just don't feel safe doing it. And so that's their platform. And even if you do go in like work face to face, some people that is their platform, that's how they make money and it's, it's how they're known. And so to, be at risk of losing um, your platform pretty much every single day and every second is can be detrimental to um, some people's finances and just mental health as well. And um, it does tend to be more women of color. Uh, there are quite a few quote unquote famous strippers um, in Portland who are white, who I've never really seen them um, be close to deactivation. You know, and it's frustrating because I see it happen to women of color so often. And, um, you know, with social media, if you disappear, you disappear sometimes. People just forget, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. And so to lose, say, like, you know, 10,000 followers and have to restart that, um, you can lose some very big clients as well. And so, yeah, it's very frustrating and it definitely does impact um, women's money and it, it it feels very blatantly anti-sex work um, with the guise of being anti-trafficking. Got it. Um, yeah, I know. I definitely have like had folks I follow become shadow banned or, or deactivated and like not even noticed, even if I really mm-hmm. like their account. It's just yeah. like when you're on Instagram, you'll you just keep scrolling. You see what's there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so I can only imagine how much of an impact it it has for folks who who literally use those platforms as their their work every day. It's frustrating. You're listening to our conversation about the sex work industry during the pandemic as part of Amplify Women on X-Ray FM. My name is Miranda Selinger, and I'm speaking with Felicia Stevanis of Stroll PDX. All right, let's talk about House Bill 3088. This is House Bill 3088 is proposed legislation that would invalidate some of Oregon's current laws around sex work already on the books. Um, So it was filed at the request of the Sex Workers Project, which is an advocacy organization working to protect the human rights of sex workers. Um, First of all, I'd love to just talk about why decriminalizing sex work is important. Um, And I know that's a broad question, but I'm wondering if you have an answer to that broad question. Um, I have a pretty broad answer to it, but um, it's it's so important because criminalizing anything is not going to stop it. And um, what they're saying is the goal of, you know, criminalization is to stop this um, action, you know, and it just doesn't work. It doesn't work with drugs. It doesn't work with sex work, um, especially when this is some people's, again, work and some of it's out of survival. And so to just take that away from some people who don't have any other means, you know, um, it's just wrong. And, uh, you know, there's so many different ways uh, countries have tried to get rid of sex work, like the Nordic model. Um, they just don't work. Like the Nordic model is basically where they criminalize the client versus like, I wouldn't get in trouble, but my client would. And, you know, also criminalizing someone who, uh, you know, provides us like with our money, our, our clients, our customers, um, it, it puts us in danger as well. Decriminalization is so important to just let people work and, you know, let us, I guess, just live our lives kind of the way that we want. And, um, you know, as long as if we decriminalize as well, like we would be able to go to the cops with things, we would be able to have more support um, than like now, you know, if uh, somebody hurts me or anything happens, I have no one to go to. Um, I have nothing you know, besides my community, because I would get in trouble. And if the whole goal is to keep us safe, then shouldn't we be able to, you know, go to someone and like, be able to be protected, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I hear what you're saying. And to me, I, it's a no brainer, like, yeah, why not decriminalize someone's line of work? Absolutely. But I I know that there are, are other views out there, clearly. Um, so I'm wondering, like, what are some of the, what are the main arguments for folks who do support, um, like these, like restrictions or like criminalizations around sex work? Like, um, is it often like equating sex work with human trafficking? Is it folks who just like think sex work is bad and shouldn't exist? Maybe it's against the religion and they think that should apply to everyone. It's, it's honestly all of them. It really depends on, you know, the person that you're talking to whose background. I do hear a lot of, oh, I just think it's icky. And, you know, I, I think pickles are icky, but I'm not saying, you know, to, to criminalize them, you know. Um, but we also get a lot of just find a regular job. And people don't realize that a lot of these women um, and men and just people in general do sex work because they either have like a physical disability where that's like, the easiest job for them or they have mental issues where like they can't make it to work every day, you know, and it gives them the opportunity to make their own schedule and to be able to like live their life in a way that is helpful to them while also making money. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the, I think the biggest one is probably just get a real job. Like, why don't you? Um, but then uh, unfortunately recently 
you know, it has been a lot about trafficking. Um, there's a lot of propaganda about trafficking, and obviously it's a huge issue, but um, it just becomes equated so much to sex work, just regular consensual sex work that, yeah, a lot of people have been um, a little bit, I, I want to say brainwashed into thinking that, you know, all sex work is wrapped up into trafficking or that, you know, at least one girl in the club is being trafficked, and that's just not true. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I hear people say, get a regular job, get a real job, like so often. And it's like, what? What's a real job? Like, what? Yeah, what are you talking about? Just because I don't get a W 2 does not make it not a real job. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think it also, I mean, there, there's many different things going on there. Um, and yeah, respectability. And, but I do think it, it falls into this larger conversation about, um, women's work not that like sex work is just women's work um and I'd love to talk about that more too but um just like the work that women are doing <laughs> and the work that people who aren't cis men are doing um and the value that's placed upon that or, or not um really interesting to see that popping up everywhere <laughs> throughout yeah. history and it's also like so like people don't think that like when they say get a real job like a lot of trans people and just people of color have a hard time finding employment and a lot of disabled people have trouble finding employment and so this gives them an avenue to do that you know it's like get a real job but when nobody will hire you what do you do you go into a job where people want you you know yeah absolutely um just speaking of um like women and sex work and and gender um, and other folks who are sex workers. Um, I'm wondering how, how you see this conversation about the sex work industry fitting into International Women's Day because that is, that is today and um, it's definitely not, sex work is not just for women, but it does seem to have some sort of relevance to the day. And, and maybe that's also, um, it's you know, worth talking about who takes up space on, on International Women's Day. Yeah. Um, and um, um, yeah, I definitely think that like sex work fits in an International Women's Day. It can be a little bit frustrating because we do get kind of pushed out of these things a lot um, where it'll be, you know, like women empowerment, but then, oh, not you, you know, and um, we do get that a lot. And so I do feel like there needs space to be made for us on that um, to just kind of recognize that it is mostly women who, you know, are sex workers and we are the ones who um, are at the forefront of it. And so, yeah, I think we definitely fit in. I think it's important to um, fit that into your feminism and just your, you know, activism all the time is uh, we are all sex workers are a marginalized group and we are mainly femme presenting people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, just going back to um, there are some current efforts and conversations around decriminalization. I'm wondering um, how Stroll PDX fits into that. Uh, you kind of outlined the work that Stroll does as well, but I'm wondering, as an organization, what Stroll's place is in um, the decriminalization conversation or yeah, work. Um, I believe right this second we are working with other uh, groups in Portland, such as like Sex Worker Research Project and um, a few other organizations that focus on sex workers to um, be a part of this bill, but not um, but as our own separate kind of Portland entity. Um, and so definitely, you know, voicing our opinion to senators when we can. And then also just, um, in, you know, not ex exactly in an optics position, but, you know, our, 
through social media, letting people know what's happening and like putting it in their face um, that, hey, this is something you need to know, like, please help us, you know, and just letting people know why, um, why, why it is helpful to decriminalize. Um, I feel like that's kind of our biggest thing is like education in that form is educating people of like the facts and like that, you know, it, it helps people, especially in Portland, we have such a you know, large mutual aid group and like such an activist group and sex workers do get lost in that sometimes. Um, and so, I, yeah, definitely education and, um, you know, working to make sure that like Portland is a very like large sex work city and very white city. So making sure that our voice is heard um, and letting them know that like we care about this because decriminalization is something that like would affect people of color and people like closer to the streets more than you know me as a stripper sex worker you know and so um definitely decriminalization is definitely a racial justice issue for us i believe and so yeah i think education and just making it known that we're here for the most marginalized group of us is probably stroll's like biggest role in that thanks for sharing that how can folks find out more about stroll um, we have our Instagram uh, at strollpdx.com, and we also have a Twitter, uh, the same name. Uh, you see it, it'll say we are a group of sex worker harm reductionists and, um, you know, mutual aid activists. Um, and I, that's our biggest, um, like, platform right this second is going to be Instagram and where you can, um, you know, reach us as well. We're very quick with our DMs. Awesome. Um, was there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? Not that I can think of. You have very good questions. Awesome, thanks. Well, thank you for joining us, Felicia. Awesome, thank you so much. You've been listening to our conversation on the sex work industry as part of Amplify Women on X-Ray FM. This is a celebration of International Women's Day and I'm your host, Miranda Selinger. We've been speaking with Felicia Stevanis of Stroll PDX. You can find them on Instagram at strollpdx. Stay tuned to hear from our next segment as part of Amplify Women. Radio is yours.